Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Recovering You Boundaries, part two, continuing the epic saga of the immense beast of boundaries, the, the Herculean <laughs> mythical task of trying to establish boundaries in your life. Chris, can you imagine a world without boundaries? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a scary world. Like, like Mad Max in a world without boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> Two men dare to stand alone, dare to stand apart. Yeah. Dare to tell people no. That's, <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> I mean, that, that's, oh, that, after all that, that's what a boundary is, right? I mean, it's essentially, it's, it's the word no. Yeah, it's a no. It's a red light. It's a gate with a lock that only you have the key to. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I loved our uh, first part of this so much i i spent some time practicing what we preach and i sat down and i wrote uh, 14 new boundaries for myself i went and did a self-inventory wow uh, like we talked about and i and i identified 14 things that i could do and they're little things you know they're not life-changing things they're things That's that awesome. i can just uh tweak in my day-to-day -day. Um, i'm not going to share all of them but one of them um, that i noticed was kind of distracting me or um, keeping me from being fully engaged with my family after work was having my cell phone in my pocket. Yeah. Um, you know, it's at the dinner table, there's a buzz, there's a beep, there's, you know, and even if it's for half a second, the message that my family's getting is right now, this phone is more important than you are, which is not a message that I want to send. And Ooh, so, okay. So there's the dagger in my heart. <laughs> there, there's the guilt setting in. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, that's the only reason I do these is to stick a knife and twist. And so what I decided to do is after work, until the kids go to bed, um, I'm just going to treat my phone like a landline. I'm going to leave it on the counter. And, you know, if it rings, then I would, I'll get up and check who it is like I would growing up, you know, see if it's a friend in need or a telemarketer that I need to hang up on and then go back to the family. So anyway, that that's one example of a boundary that I set for myself after doing personal inventory. So love it. great exercise, boundary. great exercise. I hope people yeah. uh, listening either have taken or this week will take the time to do a self inventory and, and start to, to set some boundaries. Challenge accepted. Okay. I'm, I'm doing that this week. I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. Let's go. All right. Yeehaw. And I'm super excited because I feel like this is such an important uh, framework today that we're going to talk about part two of boundaries and I'm I am just dying to hear um, how it's helped you uh, because there's this interesting um, tug of war that goes on with boundaries and then uh, the concept of enabling right right yeah it's funny you know you started that that whole like uh, that trailer like in a world without boundaries and you know if you think about that in a world without boundaries everyone gets away with whatever they want and they never suffer any consequences. And the only people that suffer are the ones that never put up the boundaries, but the ones that cross the boundaries, they, they never feel any pain because their, their behavior is not hurting themselves. The, yeah, the, the, the way that they're acting, if they're not suffering any consequences, why would they stop? Even if they're being told to stop, that doesn't hurt their feelings. That doesn't, that doesn't stop their behavior. So, yeah, it's it's like a it's like a disgustingly long extended emotional version of the purge. You know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> anything goes, and you know, there's no consequences. And man, what a nightmare! You know, it 
on the surface, this concept of no boundaries, it sounds so enticing and it sounds so alluring and it just paints this utopian picture. Um, but that's not, that's not reality, right? There's things that work for us and, and help us feel good about ourselves and about our life. And there's things that don't. And if we don't have a mechanism, and in this case, boundaries to help maintain our, our personal well-being, then we're not going to have anything to give to the people that we care about. Right. You know, we're just going to be routed at the end of every day. And, because we, uh, would have, we will have already given everything we had to that person. Yeah. And, and I think, and maybe given is even the wrong word um, because given in my mind, it implies that it was a thoughtful, intentional action and a lack of boundaries. It's not so much giving, which, you know, I think sometimes we may think it is as much as allowing things to be taken from us. You know, it's, it's as if you were sitting in your living room and people just started coming in and taking your stuff, you're not giving it to them. but you just sit there and watch them take it. Right. And uh, you're not doing anything to stop it. So, and I think that's one of the things that, that is so draining about not having boundaries is you're not, you're not intentional. You're not being uh, that proactive giver, which can be energizing. You know, there is such a thing as being too much of a giver. Um, but if you are focused on service and on love and on lifting others up, that can be energizing. But and, and don't when we, you don't feel we like sometimes people, don't don't we give out of love sometimes though, absolutely that we we don't realize we're actually enabling someone's behavior because all we're doing is loving someone like we all right a, a perfect example of this is that uh, a wayward teenager that likes to go out and party and and come home late and never cleans up anything and doesn't doesn't participate in family activities but continues to come back to mom and dad and say i need more money i need more money i need more money and drugs and alcohol are getting involved and the parents are just like well you know that we we don't want them to be out there starving they they need food during the day they need all this so they continue to give the money they're doing that out of in their mind out of love because they they don't want their child to suffer but what they don't recognize is all they're doing is actually encouraging the behavior and their child is suffering more because they haven't put a stop to the toxic behavior. Yes. And, and that's why it's so important to understand this concept of boundaries. And, and it uh, ties into expectations at the same time. It's my, it's my experience that when it's an addictive relationship that you are in yourself, whether you're the addict or you are the loved one, there's this fine line between showing love, you know, I'm doing this because I love this person versus doing something because you're afraid that person is going to think that you don't love them. And, and for me, that's the, that's the switch that flips from, from uh, boundaries and from caring and loving to enabling. It's, it's when you start to make fear-based decisions. Oh, if I don't yep. give him money, I'm afraid he'll go hungry, or I'm afraid he'll think that mm-hmm. we don't love him, or I'm afraid that he'll never talk to us again. And <laughs> that, that fear-based action just sets you up for heartache. The person who you care about, it sets them up for self-destruction. And so true love, in my experience, and what I understand from the scriptures, true love demands um, adherence to, to a certain, uh, set of values, you know, it's okay if you're not there yet, but, but I expect you to have this as your goal and be working towards this 
set of values as your goal. Uh, there was a sermon um, for those of you who are um, not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Twice a year, there's a there's a general conference. And on my uh, bike ride this morning, I was listening to a sermon by one of their church leaders, Clark G. Gilbert. And he's over, he is or was over the church's educational um, program called Pathways. And he recounted his experience of um, working with youth in inner city uh, Baltimore, Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And he said, you know, a lot of these young men started out in disadvantaged um, life circumstances where it would be understandable that, that they would make poor life decisions. He said, over time, I found that the most loving, the most compassionate thing that I could do for them was to hold them to high expectations hmm. because that lifted them from the situation that they were in to a higher, healthier way of living. And he applied this mentality when he took over the, the Pathways education system, so much so that another uh, educational administrator came to him and said, how are you being so successful with this? He said, well, think about it this way. Some of these people their whole life are told that because of their circumstances, they're victims and they won't amount to anything. Hmm. He said, he said we, we have good programs, but at the end of the day, what really makes the difference is we tell them that they are sons and daughters of God with eternal potential and divine worth. And that's something to aspire to. And so boundaries help us see ourselves in that light, in that, in that truth. Um, you know, truth is a word that people don't like today or that people try to redefine. Um, but setting healthy boundaries that align up with truth, help us to see ourselves in our divine light and in our eternal potential. And it helps us to communicate that we know our worth to people around us. And that if you're going to interact with me, I'm not going to be your doormat. You're going to interact with me as someone who has real value, as someone who has worth, regardless of what I've done, or regardless of how you feel about me. I, I stepping off my soapbox. No, but. that was that was that was amazing. Yeah, I, I would clap, but it would probably be really loud in the uh, in the speakers of whoever's listening. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the uh, sign language applause right here. There you go, there dude. You that go. was that was amazing. I I loved that you said by establishing boundaries, it allows you to reach your full potential. Because really, by not having boundaries you have actually walled yourself into whatever life you're, you're in currently. If you don't set up boundaries and show people how to love and respect you and basically say, this is how I expect to be treated. This is the, the path that I'm setting in my life. If you don't do that, then you're basically saying, all right, well, I'm putting my roots here because nobody's going nobody's gonna to let me go any further than this. There, there's, there's also another example that came up in my, in my head while you were talking. Um, if you, so when, when we, uh, when we lived in Utah, we decided to build this garden. We wanted to grow zucchini, pumpkin, all this stuff. And, and so we yeah, did. I we, remember uh, it, was, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we ate so much zucchini bread. I, I loved it. Um, but you know, we, we obviously had to, had to water it a lot. And because we aren't professional gardeners and stuff, and we hadn't walled this thing off perfectly, as we continued to water it, the water started to actually seep under the fence and go into mm. the backyards of the, the three other houses that connected at that back corner. Yeah. And so we started to notice that, because um, there was another garden directly behind ours, 
that their plants were doing really, really well. <laughs> but but we never we never like saw them out there watering their plants. Yeah. And and so what was happening was in our efforts to tend our own garden, we were actually tending our garden and theirs. And it's such a perfect example of boundaries that even unknowingly in trying to take care of ourselves, sometimes we enable the, we enable other people to not have to put forth any effort to be successful, that they don't have to try. Yeah. They, they never, they, they never were, they were loving that lower water bill. Yeah. <laughs> they were loving that lower water bill. Yeah, exactly. And, and they just, they, they just reaped it. They, they reap the rewards of our efforts. So that, that can be a really difficult thing. And another thing you, you brought up that I, I really liked was that whole fear-based mentality. I mean, in high school, what were we willing to do to be accepted by people? Yeah. Basically, basically anything that, that we, for yeah, me personally. It, it, it included being mean to other people. It included yeah. self-humiliation. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. what were you going to say for you personally? I, I did not even know really who I was in high school because I, I look at myself almost as a chameleon that I would adapt to whatever group I was with. If I was, if I was with the jocks, you know, I talk about basketball and football and, you know, I talk about running track with them and stuff. If I was with uh, the choir kids, you know, I would act another certain way. And, and I, that's why I did so many different things in high school because I wanted to be accepted by everyone. Yeah. And so I never really learned who I was and every single one of these groups essentially never really fully accepted me. I never felt like I was a part of any of these groups because I had not established my expectations of how to be treated. All I did was allow myself to, I I mean, because I was thrown into lockers by the jocks. I, I was, I was bullied and beat up. I was teased. I was ridiculed for the the choices I was making. And yet I still sought the approval of these people. And that just, I look back and it blows my mind. And it's like, why, why didn't I establish a boundary and say, uh, no, (laughs) you you don't get to do that to me. Actually. That's not okay. Yeah. That's, I'm so glad that you're, you're bringing this up for any of our teenage listeners or young adult listeners. If, if you're going through this right now, one of the reasons that this happens is because we buy into this lie that our self-worth is dependent on the approval of other people. Yes. 100%. And so obviously, obviously the more people who then approve of us, the, the more worth we have. Yep. And, and that's a total lie. Um, and it's actually the exact opposite. You, not the exact opposite, but you probably feel deep down inside that there really are people that you don't care or don't really want to be accepted by because what you have to do deep down makes you feel gross inside that you know that's what we call that that's what happens when you violate this this set of values that you have and so it's it's such a such an important thing to come to grips with and and a truth to embrace that not everyone well i can't say it that way don't worry about being accepted by everybody one it's not realistic and two it's not healthy there's people who you'll be worse off if you work for their acceptance. Um, and, and that can happen with people who you think are your friends. Um, if you're uh, a, an adult listening to this, you have grown kids, and that can happen if you break yourself 
too hard against trying to get your kids acceptance. If, if you have a, a, a toxic spouse, it can happen if you work too hard to be accepted by your spouse. If, if you work for jerks, <laughs> it can happen if you work too hard to be accepted in your professional circles. It can happen anywhere. Right. Um, and, and if you're, again, we've talked in the past about healthy and unhealthy ways of dealing with those kind of tensions. And if, if you have a proclivity towards addictive behavior, and if you're listening to this, you might, um, you know, that addiction can rear its head as a way of dealing with that stress of, of, of always enabling and not enforcing healthy boundaries. So what has to happen? I mean, right, because that's, that's not where anybody wants to live long term, probably not even short term. So what has to happen to break those habits of enabling bad behavior in other people as we strive to recover from our addiction? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that has to happen is communication. You, you have to open your mouth and, and state what your boundaries are. Uh, so for, for example, let, let's use work for an example, because everybody out there that has a job can probably relate to something like this. Let's say you, you work a job that is a nine to five job but you want to be successful in this job. And so you, you know, you start talking to the boss and you talk about projects you're doing outside of work and stuff, and, and they want to know more about it. And so, you know, you, you basically tell them like, okay, you know, but once I get home, that, that is my time with my family. Um, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I would prefer, you know, if it's an emergency, I'm happy to answer the phone. I'm happy to talk to you. And so, you know, it starts out as like once a week, you get this late night phone call and they talk for 30 minutes and talk about the project you're going on. And then that goes to two nights a week, three nights a week until basically your, your kids start to forget that dad shows up at the dinner table, that you're on your phone so much that they know they can't go talk to, to uh, they know they can't go talk to dad because dad's on a call. Dad's working. Even when he's home, dad is always working. And so all that has to happen there, as hard as it might be, and we talked about that fear response, because it is going to be a scary mm -hmm. thing, but ultimately to say, look, just so you know, boss, when I get home, I'm turning my phone off from now on. I'm, I'm not going to be able to answer the phone. My kids have soccer games. Uh, my wife needs help making meals. The house is a mess. I, I need to help clean that up. I need to do my part as much as a husband as I do as a provider. Both those are equal things for me. And so if I focus too much on this, I'm going to lose the other one. And no. sorry, you were going to say something? Just, I'm sorry, this, this just uh, hits, hits the nerve with me um, because this, this was real life for me. Um, about two years into my career, after getting my MBA, I, jo I joined the finance group for our internet of things uh, group at work. So, you know, cutting edge, very competitive group. And it got to the point, um, you know, I was supporting a senior vice president and had all these different things I was responsible for um, and high pressure, high visibility. And I was working 18 to 20 hours a day for weeks on end. Oh, and it actually ended me in the emergency room, you know, I thought I was having a heart attack and it was just exhaustion, um, you know, trying to please too many people and, and do too many things at once. And I had to make a conscious decision to what you're saying. And I've told, I told my bosses then, and I've told every boss since then, um, you know, I'm going to give nine to 10 hours a day to this company. 
And if that's good enough for you, great. We're going to, we're going to get along swimmingly. If that's not good enough for you, tell me, and I'll go find something else to do. Um, because it's not worth it. (laughs) It's not worth it for my personal health. It's not worth it for me uh, being there for my family. Um, so just the fact that you picked that example, it's real life and it happens with our physical health, our mental health. Um, if you're working on recovering yourself in the middle of an addiction, um, it can complicate that battle. Um, yeah. So man, so important. I, I had a similar example, not to take away from the the amazing spirit that you just brought with that rogs. That I, I didn't know that about you, by the way, I surprise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not the kind of surprise. I mean, there, there's yeah. no confetti or kazoos, so uh, not, yeah. not a great surprise. I'm broken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I love the vulnerability, and I really appreciate you sharing that. the The job that I'm actually in now, I remember it was it was an interview unlike I had ever had before because uh, my boss actually said, "Okay, for this interview, though, I, I don't want to interview you. I want to interview you and your wife." And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's, that's new. That's different. That's never happened yeah, that's before. Weird. And so she, she flew <laughs> out to Utah and took us both out to lunch. And then when she sat down, she basically said, all right, Cameron, I've talked to you enough on the phone. And she turned all her attention to my wife and said, what do you need from your husband? And what, what can we, what can we give you that you still have? a solid relationship with your husband at the end of the day, because wow. I, I don't want to take him away from you. I do want to give him an opportunity to provide for his family without damaging the family. And I, to me right there, I was just like, this is the company for like, I've, I've never had anyone talk like that before. And yeah, that's she amazing. Said, she basically, she told me at the end of that, she said, if you ever feel like we are working you too hard, like we are, pushing the limits of what you're comfortable with, let us know. And sure enough, about six, nine months into the job, um, I was only a traveling tech and they said they would only travel me like two times a week. Cause I got to get on a plane. I got to go to a hotel. I got to stay overnight. I got to work all day, get back on a plane, go home. And when it started to be three to four times a week that I was basically not living at home anymore, I, I called my boss and I said, look, you told me to talk to you and what's going on right now isn't, isn't okay. I, I either need to become, um, a full-time tech that I'm not traveling anymore, or I need to start looking for another job. And she said, well, we have a position open up in Phoenix. If you're willing to move, we'd love to keep you with the company. And so here we are living in Phoenix because I established those boundaries. Uh, I got a pay raise. I get to be home every single night for dinner. And it's all because of that, that communication. And, it's also equally important that when I called her on, on that promise, she didn't react in a way that made me fearful of establishing my boundaries. I love that. And, and there's so many powerful concepts here that you've, that you've highlighted. And one is holding people accountable. If someone offers something to you or you have a mutual understanding about a boundary, hold people accountable. Say, hey, we talked about this. Yeah, And this is, this is the way that it needs to be. The other thing I love is this concept of action. So many times we think, okay, well, and, and this is one reason why I did this exercise of writing down my boundaries. So many times we just think, okay, I've got a general idea of what my boundaries are in my head. 
but it's it's all talk it's all just kind of fuzzy feelings and action is so important um being willing to act in this case you had to move but one i love having you closer so selfishly i'm glad that you did well thank you um but but two <laughs> when you have action to back up what your boundaries are to me that opens up the the windows for god to bless you um because you've proven to him and you've proven to yourself that you're serious about living in a way that's in harmony with his reality and his truth and when you do that he will bless you um and that's a powerful concept with boundaries is that just to reemphasize truth exists and and we can either work hard to understand and embrace truth or try to ignore it and override it and live in a fantasy world but that is not long-term successful there's a leader of our church she's passed away now um but uh, boyd k packers his name and he has this quote that i love and i found this as a teenager it was super powerful for me then and i've kept it with me and he said something to the effect of um most people believe that the choice in life is to repent or not repent when in reality the choice is to repent or to suffer and as that relates oh. to boundaries people think the choice is to set up boundaries or not have boundaries right. i can choose but the reality is i can set up my boundaries so that i live in harmony with the truth and i have a healthy relationship um with my own self image with my god and with the people who matter to me or i can suffer boundaries help prevent suffering and help empower personal growth and we have to we have to get honest about what the choice really is that we face in life and and that's that's why things like interventions don't really ever work because it's a bunch of people that get around that circle around someone that they know has a problem and they say we just want to tell you we love you and we want you to stop okay that's great there's nothing wrong with that there just needs to be a part B to that where they say, and because we love you, you're no longer welcome inside our home. If you don't have a job, if you, if you stay out late, we are locking the door. You got to figure out a place to sleep. You know, what, whatever the problem might be that they say, if this behavior is going to continue, then this is going to be the consequence. And then you have to follow through. It's that action that we were just talking about. And I think that follow through has to happen. It's a two-way street. We've talked, and we talked about, um, we talked about this in the in the last session on on boundaries. You have to understand that people that have been negatively impacted by your addiction have the right to set up boundaries, and you need to respect those, um, and they need to enforce those. The second part of this is that you have to enforce your own boundaries too. And, and there's so much good. Um, I hope that you'll tell people the name of this book again um, so that they can go out and read it but that without boundaries the nature of life is that people are going to come and you've you've likened this to our property line right if you don't have boundaries the nature of life is people are going to come and try and take what's yours if there's something easy there's always going to be some bad actor out there who might pretend to be your friend or whatever and they're going to encroach until they've stolen your property and so in order to preserve you know our space and make that room for us to reach our potential you have to enforce those boundaries otherwise you're just setting yourself up for long-term pain so 
the the takeaway message here, Chris, as, as we as we close this up, um, honestly, <laughs> so I I have a bit of a confession. Well, I guess I I told this to you, but there this is such a vast topic and it's such an important topic that I actually I I basically tried to reread the entire book this last week by listening to it, by reading it, by taking notes in it, and because it was such an immense amount of information. I wanted to get it all in. I actually started having these anxiety attacks and, <laughs> and I couldn't remember anything that I was studying. It was like getting ready to take the ACTs again. Sure. There was so much pressure behind it and I wanted it to be just right. And I wanted people to understand the importance and the value of establishing boundaries in their lives. But what eventually you and I decided we had to do was to basically just say, let's just sit down and talk about it. You know, like... <laughs> Because it, yeah. to try to try and plan out how to get all of this information in this book into two podcasts of 30 to 40 minutes a piece is so impossible. So I, I will list that book again. Um, it, it's called Boundaries. It's got a picture of a pencil drawing a line on it. And it's by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. You can get it from your local library, but if you feel like you could benefit from establishing more healthy boundaries in your life, this isn't even anything to do with addiction. This is all just about you becoming a more confident and capable person that can be more successful in how you teach other people to love and respect you. I, I'll share this last little story. Um, I, I have a friend that's, he's like a brother to me. Uh, I love him dearly. And right now he's going through something that I went through. Uh, he was just asked to leave his house. Told, I don't want you here. Um, I, I'm going to leave for a little bit. When I come back, I want all your stuff packed. And, and then when I, you know, I'll, I'll take back the kids and, and you're gone. And so he's living in a hotel and he is scared and uncertain and living in that state of anxiety and fear. And so when he texted me about what was going on, all I could do was tell him, number one, your story is not over just because you're at a rough patch in life. There, there, is, there is still hope. And just because someone places boundaries on a relationship with you, it does not say that they want to push you away or keep you out of their life. It is saying, this is what I need in order to figure out how to love me so I can better love you. And that's, that's what his wife has done. And there shouldn't be any fault toward her. And he was super brave and it was powerful that he was able to come forward with this mistake that he had made. And even though he suffered the consequences, what I told him was that now, now that you have established this and now that you are going through this pain, the possibility of a greater love and life than you have ever known before is in the future. And whether, whether it includes his wife or not, that, that's not the key. The key is that he was honest and is willing to do whatever it takes to change himself. And that is the best formula for a relationship to work out. But if it does not work out, God is still in the mix and therefore happiness can exist. Amen. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> that that's a perfect way to wrap it up. So Wherever you are at in your journey to recover yourself and who God intends for you to be, embrace this concept of boundaries. Read the book, start a book club, um, get your family on board, do a Zoom, whatever. Um, do it a chapter at a time. 
Um, but get comfortable with the fact that boundaries are one of the tools in your toolbox that are going to empower you to keep going down this road to recovery. Um, so until next time, keep fighting. Um, you're someone worth recovering.